Welcome to Waking Up to Grace. I'm Lenny, and uh, we're Waking Up to Grace, putting uh, full grace with nothing in its place as a priority. And uh, today I just wanted to uh, talk a little bit about the concept of faith without works is dead. I can almost hear my friend Lee in, in my ears ringing, faith without works is dead, brother. Because, uh, you know, we come across this passage, you know, if you're teaching grace or sharing the gospel of somebody, you know, the, the immediate challenge from the legalist opposition is always faith without works is dead. Look, it says it right here in scripture. And, uh, you know, <laughs> maybe you were a, a new uh, Christian and really understanding grace and you decided one day to turn to James and you started reading and you're like, what is uh, going on here? I don't get it. This is confusing. Uh, and, you know, you, you start having to look at the rest of scripture and your head's spinning. And, you know, I, that happens for some people. I think it's happened to every grace teacher. But now I hear a lot of grace teachers proclaiming that, well, they, they had that problem until they understood it correctly. And they go on to explain and, um, I, I just have yet to really hear a really great take on James where it doesn't sound like double talk and legalism. So maybe maybe I'm just not there yet, or uh, maybe I'm just a little bit skeptical yet about uh, what James was was trying to say and and uh, who James was. Uh, you know what when James was written. I think that, you know, it's important to discern things. So, you know, at one time uh, there was, you know, people having to gather together to determine what was put in the Bible. And, you know, you have Catholic Bibles and you have Protestant Bibles and different things get put into Bibles. And, uh, you know, they and the Bible is inerrant. Absolutely it is. I agree. And uh, the, the question isn't whether scripture is inerrant, though. It's just the, the question that was at hand in early days when James was rejected was, does James belong in scripture? Does James fit scripture? Well, you know, on the, on the good side of things is that there's nothing that can damage scripture because it's so beautifully in harmony with itself that if something didn't fit, it would be obvious. So it's up to us to spiritually discern, maybe, uh, with James, does it fit or does it not? And, it, you know, if you if you can make it fit in your head and still uh, be teaching grace, cool, you know. But there's some other people stumbling, and maybe some people just don't really care to read James. Do we have to read James? What if James was the only letter that we had in, in, the, in the scripture? Think about that for a moment, and let's think about the problems that we'd have if James was the only apostle, let's just say, that uh, we had a letter from in our scripture to read. Um, well, let's look at uh, just a, a few issues. So he mentions Christ once and again, but where does he ever mention uh, the, the passion or the resurrection or the spirit of Christ? When does all, any of that stuff get mentioned? Where, where does he actually teach about Christ? Where does he teach about Christ's spirit living in us? Where does he teach about the cross? You know, the all the things that the apostles held in high regards and that they taught about, where are they taught about in James? It's interesting. It's fascinating because what when you look at it, if you were to look at it, it appears that somebody has a very commonplace faith in God because he mentions Jesus as Lord once and again but he doesn't really teach about them. And so if you had a teacher teaching you, or that's all you had was this writing to look at, 
you know, what would you be thinking about it? Um, if you had a teacher that was always saying that I believe Jesus is Lord, and then just went on continuing to talk about what we should do with our faith and how we should act, but never mentioned anything about Jesus. Hmm. Well, it actually, on the, after some thought, it kind of sounds a lot like a lot of churches out there. And, you know, come to think of it, where I used to go, they mentioned James a lot. It seemed like every other passage was about James. So I don't know, but they weren't really preaching the cross of Christ, except maybe on Easter. And if you got lucky at Christmas time, the rest of the time, it was all focused on you. So there's an interesting thought, too. Anyhow, so there's not a lot of Christ preached in there. And so some of the early arguments were, was this apostolic? Was this an apostolic writing? Because what does it really say about Christ? It doesn't teach us anything about Christ. It teaches us how to act and how, to, how we should be acting and this and that. And it's, it's kind of complicated. You know, it's, it's kind of difficult. So the only way we can really reconcile James is not on his own. We have to compare it with the rest of Scripture. And so then people go and do that, and they come to see, like, it seems like he's, he's butting heads with the Apostle Paul in Romans 4. Um, James says, faith without works is dead, and Abraham was justified when he sacrificed, uh, justified by his works when he sacrificed Isaac at the altar. But then in Romans, Paul says, uh, what does scripture say? Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. It was credited. And uh, that couldn't be redeemed until Christ died at the cross, of course. It was just a credit for him. Uh, but it, his faith was credited as righteousness because he believed. That was it. And then in Genesis, again, uh, proves it in Genesis 6. Abraham believed the Lord and he credited to him as righteousness. So it seems like it's an opposition. I know a lot of people reconcile it and say, no, he's he's talking about a faith uh, that, um, you know, after we come to faith, he's talking about how the things that are produced by faith. Um, but it starts to sound an awful lot like lordship doctrine now when people start saying these things, because we're supposed to expect a certain amount of works. And if we don't it seems that James is saying if we don't see those works in somebody, then that's a sign of their unbelief. But Jesus, when he's talking about fruit, he's talking about fruit that comes from the truth. And so if James is describing actions as describing our faith, that doesn't, how are you going to know somebody by their actions? There's got to be something deeper to it if this was an apostolic teaching. There's got to be something deeper because two people can imitate each other doing good deeds, and you're not going to know which one's the Christian until they tell you something about the gospel. Otherwise, how are you going to know? They could be a Buddhist and just a really good one. And so there's there's a lot of depth missing uh, from this letter, and I think that's probably why where a lot of the controversy comes in. And, you know, at the end of the day, it got put in scripture. And so so we have to deal with that one way or the other. Uh, but the real question is how much how much of our time should and effort should we put into, you know, reading this based on the fact that it doesn't teach Christ. And, uh, you know, there's just so little to, to learn about the spirit of God inside of this in this writing. How how does it really stack up with the rest of the scripture? And if it was not stacking up with it how could it possibly go against all of scripture see what i'm saying so if james is right and it sounds and if, if if it's saying what it sounds like it's saying 
does he prove the rest of scripture wrong or do we have to reconcile it with scripture? And can we reconcile it with scripture without sounding like double talk? That's the true question. And uh, so, you know, if, if he can do that, then great. Uh, if you can't do that, then I honestly, like, you know, I, I know it's it's deemed as uh, such a heresy today to, to even to even mention the word that maybe maybe James wasn't meant to be in scripture, but he was meant to be, obviously, because God does all things and has a plan for all things. So he's obviously meant to be there. But what was the purpose? Maybe God used it just to teach us, <laughs> just to teach us in a different way. I mean, who are we to say? Who are we to say? Scripture is infallible in the way that as it was written and it's, you know, it, it's, it, it is in perfect harmony with itself. But then you go into James and there's this one book, there's this one letter that uh, was supposed to be written by an apostle. And there's arguments and there's debates about when it was written. And due to some of the things that were written itself, where he quotes Peter and Paul, for example, Everybody says it was written early, early on when uh, when uh, the brother of Jesus was preaching in this certain place. And maybe they got that idea from where they found the letter. But nobody really knows who wrote it. If you really dig in all the all the doctors and scholars and theologians could not come to full agreement. Mainstream has accepted this argument as it was written by James, the brother of Jesus. But it's not unanimous. It was not 100 percent. It wasn't without argument or controversy. And now, you know, I, I think the reason a lot of people want to sweep this under the rug is because it starts to open up a can of worms. You know, like, well, why don't we look at all scriptures then and make sure that they belong? But it's really not that complicated because all scriptures are in harmony with each other perfectly. And any Christian can discern that. And I have no problem with James being there. It doesn't affect anything. My question though, or, or my point here is uh, to discern carefully when you enter into that book of James, because people are going to use it to put you under law, and people are going to use it to put you under legalism, because the verbiage in there is is very hard to understand. And, uh, you know, I've heard some, some great grace sermons on it, and boy, do they got to go to great lengths, and it just looks exhausting. And the, the, one guy that I, you know, that I have some respect for actually said, this is probably going to be the, the most difficult sermon I've ever delivered. And so it really just seems to be quite a stumbling block for people. And, um, you know, you, you just look at it and you're like, okay, well, why would it be such a stumbling block? Because we have all of scripture. So, Really, you know, if people are trying to use passages from James that work against scripture, it's very easy to fight back because all of scripture puts it in its place. So just be careful how you discern all these passages. You have to, when you, if you're going to read James, you got to read it in light of all of scripture. You got to make sure to discern that. If you're, if you're going to just hang out in the book of James, you're not going to learn about Jesus. Bottom line, case in point, you can't argue that one because he doesn't teach about Jesus. So, Let's just make sure, you know, that we use careful discernment when we read the book of James and when we when we quote from him or when we're trying to uh, explain to somebody who's just hung up with James. I, I personally feel like this video needed to be made uh, just to point out some of the some of the obvious things about it. We don't know for sure when it was written. We don't know for sure who wrote it. And there's a there's a great lack of teaching about Jesus Christ in there and only a commonplace mention of him being Lord. And, you know, that that commonplace belief in the Lord 
is is not a real strong thing if if, if a preacher um you know were to be doing that on a regular basis because it, right in matthew uh, jesus says not everyone who says to me lord lord will enter the kingdom of heaven only the one who does the will of my father in heaven on that day many will say to me lord lord didn't we prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many powerful deeds in your name then i will declare to them i never knew you go away from me you lawbreakers you say i never knew you to, to many people that are going to call him lord because they didn't believe and why why what is it about that passage that helps us to realize they didn't believe they're, they're claiming they did great things in his name. They're boasting about their works. Faith is not works. Faith produces works, but we cannot know what those are, and we can't be judging people based on what God is doing in them. We can't see those things. You know, certainly we can, we can look at faith, and uh, if we see somebody just like Paul did in Corinthians, and I was just talking about this on a video, some great sin, some sexual immorality that's just gonna gonna spread into the church like a plague, you know, because sexual immorality was like a drug. I mean, it's contagious, and it, you can't have that. Paul wasn't gonna have that in his church, so he expelled the brother. Um, and I say the brother because I get caught up on the title, expel the immoral brother, but. He, he was viewing him as a brother in Christ, but he needed some correction, uh, some some people correction from people uh, of the spirit. And but they brought him back in. Paul said, don't leave him too long. And, and he changed his mind. He changed his mind about his incorrect thinking. And so they brought him back in. So certainly you can see that uh, whoever did write James is, is speaking against that kind of thing. Um, it, it seems to be, and maybe it was just an innocent person who uh, signed it as James for credibility. Who even knows for sure? But uh, the bottom line is there's some good things to take from it. Uh, he does say, uh, which, which actually proves legalism all wrong, if you fall short in one area of the law, you break it all. And uh, love covers a multitude of sins, as he quoted Peter. I mean, God's love is greater than all, and that's how we're saved. That's why our sin is is wiped away. So there's a lot of good to take from it, and you can work hard to to try to work through those things. I just highly recommend that if you're if you're new to grace, don't put all your focus on James if somebody's trying to lure you into that because they're probably trying to trick you. You're not going to learn a lot about Jesus there. That's all, you know. I mean, if if you if you can find some good spiritual guidance there and you hold value to it, um, you know, that that's not it's not going to hurt you as long as you're not falling under the spell of legalism. So I just wanted to point that stuff out there. I'm not saying rewrite our Bibles, tear out pages, uh, but there is some historical historical things that should be discerned of, about the book of James and we should think about. And, uh, you know, he said faith without works is dead. And, uh, you know, I, I, I myself, along with the apostles and Jesus himself would say life without Christ is dead. And uh, James doesn't say it that way. He says it differently and he doesn't talk about Christ. He doesn't talk about life with or without him. He really doesn't mention a lot about him, but that's just always remember life without Christ is dead. So let's focus on life with Christ. And that's all that matters. It doesn't matter what James wrote or what he didn't write, because we have a whole scripture loaded full of things that teach us about life with Christ and how we would just be dead without it. Amen.
I hope you guys enjoyed this a little bit and I hope it shed a little perspective on some difficult uh, passages for you. Maybe it'll help. And before we're done, I just wanted to remind you guys that uh, you can listen to our podcast hands-free, you know, while you're at work and enjoy it. Uh, just, uh, you know, we have links on our on our sites here. And But bottom line, if you just go to wakinguptograce.com, uh, you can check out our podcast page. And we're on all the podcast platforms probably that you can imagine. And, uh, you know, if we're not on one for some reason, let me know. And, uh, you know, I could see if I see about getting us published there. And, uh, you know, check out our websites. You know, we're on Facebook and YouTube predominantly. Facebook seems uh, um, seems uh, more welcoming in the way that uh, uh, I'm actually getting found more. Uh, I don't know why I'm so suppressed. <laughs> Can't explain the YouTube suppression, but hey, what are you going to do? Uh, so check us out on YouTube and help uh, build us up if you'd like to. That would be awesome because it certainly wouldn't hurt. So I hope you guys have a good day out there and I uh, hope you're waking up to grace. Amen.